Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Azband, our daf of the day, Masachet Rosh Hashanah, daf Yud Zion, page 17. So if we were talking about judgment, and we were talking about how one can tear up, um, you know, at the very end of the last daf, tear up the evil decree, on this daf we open up with sinning. Those who in fact are rebellious, those in fact who have done their job of sinning. Poshe Yisrael Bugufan, the rebellious Jews who have sinned with their bodies, meaning physically they've done something sinful. Uposhe Umotolam Bugufan Yordin Legehinom. And likewise, people from the nations of the world who have sinned with their bodies, they go down to Gehinom. Gehinom is a whole big philosophical discussion. What does it mean? You know, do we translate this as hell? Do we not translate this as hell? Is it purgatory? What is it really? But basically what we understand is that there is a place that in English we'll call Gehenna, and in Hebrew we call Gehinom, and it is a, I don't know, a spiritual place of some kind. And the Gemara says that those who go down to Gehinom are judged to be there. They should stay there for 12 months. Gufan Kaleh. After those 12 months, their bodies are finished. They're consumed. They're gone. And their souls are burned. And the wind scatters them, presumably the Nishamot, or the, the remnants. The wind scatters them <coughs> under the soles of the feet of the righteous. It's a passage from Malachi in Treasar in the book in the books of Nevi'im that says that when you walk on the wicked, they will be like ashes under the soles of your feet. So this verse is brought to be the I don't know what the pro, pro, poetic implementation, so to speak, of exactly this description of those who have sinned with their bodies and their sojourn um, until they're consumed in Gehinom. But, and this is a very important but, because this passage by itself is just terrifying, right? So it goes on. So one who is a, an, a heretic or someone who's an informant or someone who's an apostate. All of those who deny the Torah, those who deny the idea or the tent of the dead, and those who um, separate themselves from the community, and those who are who give fear over those who are living, right? And those who sin and also cause the masses to sin. Like as the biblical king, Yeravim ben Navat did, right? meaning here's, this is like a quintessential bad king. And one of the things that he did was he got other people to sin. All of these people will go down to Gehinom, as you might say that, so what's the but, right? Why is this a but as compared to what was above if they go down to Gehinob? And they are going to be judged for generations, which does not sound actually any better. Right? They will go down and they will look upon the, it's not such an elegant picture, the carcasses of those who have rebelled against Hashem, meaning 
that they're still going to keep going in this way. This verse is from Isaiah, and it is a pretty severe indictment of those who are sinners against God, not so much with their bodies, but with their beliefs and with their, I would say, their basic conduct as opposed to a, a physical sin. And then the Gemara continues, Gehinom kale, vehein enan kalin. Gehenim will end, and they will not end, which is an interesting statement in and of itself. Their form will wear away in, in this um, Sha'ol, in the grave, in this underworld, whatever this is, and there will be no dwelling for them. This is a verse from Tehillim, Memtet, Mizmur 49. And all of this. And the verse is like, We've got this whole big discussion of how terribly they're going to be punished. What what does it need to be so bad? What it why? And so the answer is they're punished so severely because they stretched out their hands against God, against God's dwelling. And so what's Ein Zvul? Is there's no specific dwelling. Ella Beit Amigdash. We're talking about the temple. Zvul lach. And we've got a verse in Malachim, in the Book of Kings, that connects the word Zvul, meaning a dwelling, with the Beit HaMikdash. And this is where Chana, in the, in the opening of the Book of Shmuel, says that those who are the adversaries of God will be broken into pieces. So all of this is very harsh and kind of scary. And if we aren't, you know, not the literal fire and brimstone, um, but the you know the idea that you should do the right thing because of fear of where your end will be. That is kind of this message, at least at this point in the Gemara. It's it's not stated in a way um, in a way that is a commandment, but it tells you exactly what happens to those who are sinners, which is enough, I think, to get everybody to say to themselves, "I don't want to be that person." Right. So the Gemara goes on. So what happens? On the Day of Judgment, Rabbi Yitzchak Bar-Avin says that their faces on the Day of Judgment will be black, like the bottom of a pot, meaning like sooty, sooty from the fire. And Rava says that they will be, they will include the best-looking, the most handsome, the most upstanding people of Bechoza. Because Rava did not like Mechosa, and he said that they were all wicked, which is another, like, Yerdana, really, the dissertation on our list of dissertations, we really need to understand who the Anshay Mechosa were and why Rava doesn't like them and why he thinks they're sinners. And he says that they are called, they should be called B'nai Gehinom. Um, so all of this is, I think, you know, pretty skip, frightening. The Gemara goes on just a bit, and this is where it eases for us a little bit. Amarav, Beit Omrim, Rav Chesed, right? Beit Hillel says that the verse in Shemot, Lamadala 34 says, Rav Chesed, right? The idea is that God is abundant in his kindness. Matek Lape Chesed, that, that everything should be um, in favor of Chesed. And then what happens about just like the, the regular people who kind of do some sins on occasion but aren't wholly wicked? So the verse says, and this verse is from Zechariah, says, I'll bring the third part through the fire. Hatam Yisrael Bagufan. So that's what we're talking about. 
the rebellious Jews who have sinned with their with their bodies that we read at the beginning. But Poshe Yisrael Bugufan, can we talking about rebellious Jews who sin with their bodies? Because we already had that. And you already said there's no fix for them. Their bodies disappear, their souls disappear. So that there's no way for them to be to to have a tikkun for them to fix anything when they have uh, when they have a majority of their actions are sins right such a person can't really fix himself but if you have somebody who's you know half and half sins and and I don't know positive good deeds right the love so you have a situation where you could end up with people who have both meritorious deeds and also sins, and where it's not enough to make them go through the fire. The chesed, and then God is going to weight the scales to the side of the chesed, the kindness. And so about them, those are the people that David says in, in Tehillim, you know, I love Hashem, Ahafti, Kishma. Hashem, because he hears my voice, right? That's that's the basic idea there. So we have here the people who are very bad in their physical actions. We have the people who are very bad in their beliefs and in their utter disregard for the for the Torah, for the community, everything. And then we have people who are mechzal mechza, people who and the Rambam takes this and says literally exactly half and half. I wonder if we can't look at this with a little bit more leeway and say you know, half and half, not specifically exactly balanced scales, but that there is a, you know, where you can't say that this person has an obvious more a greater number of sins against them. Um, okay, I want to just say one more piece. I'm going to jump a little bit. Um, uh, okay, we have another category of people Um Jumping down just a drop. So Rav Chista has an example of people who are communal leaders. That's the word parnas there. And what they do is they rule by fear. They cast excessive fear on the community. And of course, Shalom Lashem Shemayim. That's not done for some kind of pure motive. Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rav, Kol Parnas Amitil Emay Yitera Al Tzibur Shalom Lashem Shemayim Eno Roe Ben Talmid Chacham. So that kind of person will never see a Talmid Chacham amongst his children. Meaning, this is considered, you know, such a terrible punishment that he has done so much wrong in this capacity as a leader to rule by fear or to impose fear upon, upon people that his children will not be right this uh it's a verse from eov that people will those who fear him and he will not see any who are wise of heart the idea being here of course don't rule by fear don't impose fear upon the rest of the community and the I would say even that it becomes impossible to have any kind of Talmid Chacham in that kind of environment. You want to raise Talmid Chachamim, you can't, you know, you can't at the same time bring fear upon everybody else. Um, yeah, I I don't totally understand what that Gemara is speaking about. Is it almost like 
uh, that this is a time of year where there is a lot of fear. And is this almost a warning to community leaders? Like, don't prey on that fear that this season sort of uh, evokes for people. So it's just there's interesting that there's a little warning to the leaders here. Um, I also wondered if maybe this was something that Rav Chista knew firsthand. Right. Like, is this a rebuke to somebody in the shul? In the shul. Of- oh, interesting point. That's possible, too. Um, I want to talk about uh, three things that struck me in the daf. Some of them I'll talk about outside. Uh, so the first one is this very strange story with Rav Huna and Rav Yoshua. Uh, Rav Yoshua. So Rav Huna berates to Rav Yoshua Halash. Right. So Rav Huna, sorry, the son of Rav Yoshua becomes sick. Al Rav Papa Lashule Bay. And so Rav Papa comes to basically visit him and see how he is. He sees that he's really weak, meaning that he's going to die. So he basically says to the, like, you know, servants or attendants in the house, you should make these zabdata, the, the, the burial shrouds. And then what happens in the end, he recovers, and Rapapa basically is embarrassed to go see him. Because he basically treated him like he was going to die. And so Rav is very embarrassed that this whole thing happened. Amrule, so they, so Rav Huna's friends basically, you know, somebody comes and says to him, Machazit, so they say to him, what did you see? Like, you were about to die. What is it that you saw? So I love this story because this is sort of like a, um, like, you know, when you hear those stories of people who they say, like, sort of died and then came back, right? So this is sort of the Gemara version of that. They ask him literally, what did you see while you were, about to die. Amar Luhu in Hachihabe, right? So he says what? He says, yes, it was so, right? It was true, I was gonna die. But Amar Luhu Akadosh But Hashem said, right? Basically he's saying this is what he saw that Hashem said, right? Since you didn't st- you he didn't stand right. So Hashem's like talking to like some of us say like the heavenly court, something like that, right? So he says, since he didn't stand on his right, since like, uh, you know, Rav Huna gets there, he's about to die. And he doesn't say like, hey, I'm Rav Huna. I should actually live. So since he didn't say that, right, you should not be exacting with your judgment. In other words, it shouldn't actually happen that he should be punished and die. So here they quote, write that pasuk right from the Yud Gimomidot that, you know, from the 13 attributes, that he bears sin and he forgives. Whose sin does he bear? The sin of those who forgo, that forgoes his uh, reckonings, right? With, with like, in other words, who doesn't remember what other sins people did against him. So, again, I, I this story, just the whole idea of the machazit, like, what is it that you saw, doesn't really resolve the piece of Republic being embarrassed, but, you know, we're very familiar with these stories in popular culture. There's TV shows, you know, articles written about people sort of come back from the dead. And again, here we see a Gemara version where he's really describing Ravuna, an encounter with the divine, where he sort of was told you're going to be sent back. So I, 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 again, one of these like dissertations, I wonder if somebody's actually written an article about this story. Um, then the Gemara jumps on to Ahmed Bet. And gets into a very interesting discussion uh, about, well, it starts with Rav Huna, it also quotes Rabbi Elazar, uh, where there are these series of psukim where on the one hand, you know, there's like the, the righteousness of God is described. And then on the other hand, it's that God 
acts with chesed. And what these are highlighting is, is the top of Amit Bet is sort of this tension also of the season of Rosh Hashanah. That on the one hand, we want to say God is the God of tzedek, of righteousness, which is basically midat hadin, which is the midah of judgment, right? Like if at the end of the day we sinned, then through the principle of tzedek, through righteousness, we should be punished. But yet at the same time, we have a psukim that describe God's chesed, that, that describe God's attribute of, uh, of, of uh, kindness, which basically allows God to forgive us. And so, you know, so there's a variety of, of, uh, 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 of explanations for this, but the, the general explanation that's presented here is that initially God is righteous. Initially, God operates with Midat Hadin, but eventually at the time of punishment or at the end, God goes over to a Midah of uh, Rachamim. So, you know, I thought so that was the second thing that I thought was uh, very, very interesting here. Um, and then, well, I guess I'm going to, I actually want to mention four things here. Um, <laughs> Go for I, it. Yeah, I'm just, I really honestly could read the whole daf. Pay attention to in the middle of the daf, the whole drusha that they do here of explaining really the yud gimel midot, right? By Abor Hashem al-Panah v'yikra. I'm a Rabbi Yochanan, ilmalei mikra katuv, yifshar la'omro. So Rabbi Yochanan says, it was not written explicitly in the verse, it would be impossible to say this, right? You wouldn't be allowed to actually say this it, like or describe this unless it was specifically written in the Pasuk. And this is a famous Pasuk from Shmot, chapter 34, verse 6. <laughs> that God is wrapped himself in a prayer shawl like his prayer leader. <laughs> and he showed Moshe, God showed Moshe the order of prayer. <laughs> and God basically says, anytime the Jewish people sin, sin, <laughs> They should pray like this, okay, meaning wrap themselves in a prayer shawl and then basically say the Yud Gimel Mitot, which is exactly what we do on Yom Kippur and during, sorry, Slichot beforehand on Yom Kippur and, and, and do this. So I think here what Rabbi Yochanan is basically addressing is, it's like, it's kind of chutzpah that we even pray at all or try to invoke that God should forgive us. Like if we just finished talking about that really God, the, the principle of tzedek actually should be invoked it's kind of chutzpah that we do it. And so what Rabbi Yochanan is making clear is, it wasn't for the fact that this encounter happened between God and Moshe, we would actually never be allowed to pray. And it's only because this pasuk exists that we actually are allowed to. And so I think this is Rabbi Yochanan sort of acknowledging the, the, the chutzpah, the gall of, of humans that we actually pray. And finally, I want to conclude with that, you know, if you really get to the bottom of the daf, there's a lot of discussion about sort of like, can one achieve forgiveness, right? Like once the dean is put in place, is the dean reversible? And I find this stuff does not prevent, does not present, excuse me, sort of the traditional way that we look at chuba. I think we are brought up with an idea of chuba that one can always be forgiven. And the end, middle to end of this stuff kind of makes clear that for individuals, that's not really the case. Once the dean's been given, it's not so clear that that dean can be revoked. And so I think what a lot of this DAP, if I had to pick a theme for this Amud Bet, is I think this DAP is struggling with Midat Sadak, with the Midat Dean. Like, how is it that we can say God is righteous, that righteousness exists? Because really then, then that means we should be judged for what we are. And, uh, and I think that's what this DAP is ultimately struggling with. And, and, and its answer is darker than I think a lot of us want to accept. 
I think that it's pretty dark. I think the whole DAF has, if I wanted a theme, I might just say it's darker than we might want to accept for the whole DAF. But I will say this also, you know, this phenomenon of multiple interpretations amongst Chazal, mul multiple approaches is really important. And I think that we need to, you know, at some point, of course, we need to function as best we can. And sometimes that means taking a step back with the humility to say, listen, there are many approaches and each of them serves us, us in some way, right? Uh, to spur us to better behavior, you know, all these different kinds of things. And we don't know, meaning how God chooses to run the world is truly, I believe, and I believe it fervently beyond human comprehension. So the Gemara and all the multiple Gemaras that address this kind of thing over, you know, throughout the different Masachot and Midrashim and elsewhere, right, are um, are making the effort, right? We still need to try to understand how God runs the world. The fact that we know that we won't get there doesn't mean that we are, we're not immune to it. Like, we all want to know why, how, you know? I think that this is part of that. Right, and it's interesting that they do devote a lot of time to this when, like, these aren't really things that we know the answer to, but they but they do always hang it on a pasuk primarily. It's really based on interpretation of pasuk, which I think really shows their love for the Torah Shabbat. Like they take that written wor word very seriously. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend e. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.